Father, we thank you for your word. and Thank you for understanding. Thank you for blessing us with knowledge, with understanding, with fulfillment of all things, that Jesus is our fulfillment. We have our fulfillment already, Lord. We're not waiting on anything. Thank you, Lord, that we are complete in you. Thank you, Lord, that you have already given us all things, that, that we we can stand in faith and stand in encouragement. Uh, this is real, Lord. This is where we live for real. This is not some imaginary place to live, but your kingdom is a real place, and we have that kingdom within us right now, and we are possessors of all things. And so we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I thought we'd spend a little time talking about shame, and we'll talk about the fact that we are not ashamed. Amen. We are not ashamed. And I know most of us, when we think about that, we we uh, complete it with our knowledge that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. But aside from that, there are many, many times where we will experience shame. And I thought we need to talk about where that comes from and how important it is that we understand that uh, we we don't have to give in to that, that that is not our portion. Shame really comes from darkness, comes from the kingdom of darkness. And it is it is entwined and intertwined with sin. Uh, with guilt and wrongdoing. And so when there's sin, guilt, and wrongdoing, then that spirit of shame comes with it. It is a package deal. And so many times, and, and, and when, when the spiritual forces come as a package, they will manifest differently in different ways. Like one will be the lead devil, the other one will be behind it. Some of, you know, you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes like uh, lust, hate, and murder, uh, we know from the prayers that we pray that those are released in combination. They always go in a group together. So whenever lust comes, then there comes a a spirit of hatred for those who possess what we lust after. This is why criminals will go into a home and rob that home and wind up killing the people that that they're taking from because that hatred comes with it. You know, hatred comes to kind of, um, I guess you could say, eradicate all witnesses from a situation. See, if you love people, you're not going to steal from them. If you love people, you're not going to wish them any harm. And so that spirit of hatred comes to help the the thief and the lust to do what it has come to do, and that's to rob. That's why a lot of times people that that want to rob people will carry a weapon with them because they've developed such a dislike from that for that person that possesses it, and they don't even know them personally. Have you ever... You ever think about that? How could somebody just come and and murder somebody and they they shouldn't have anything against them? And even people will say, well, I begged for my life and they still shot me, you know, that that kind of stuff or they still hurt me. And uh, and so this this thing about uh, taking 
and desiring things. This is why God instructs his people not to do that. Don't covet anything. If you want something, come to me for what you want. Because I freely give my people all things. So we have a remedy for all of the, we don't have to walk in darkness. When you start to walk in the light, then you start to understand, well, hey, God has given me everything already, so I don't need to have to want what belongs to my neighbor. I don't need to have to want what's not mine. I don't need to resort to that way of living. All I have to do is trust God. You know, and then the, then the challenge is on because the enemy will do everything to keep you from trusting him. But if you break through onto that other side and you start to live that life of faith where you trust only in God, you'll overcome that and you'll look back at it and say, boy, I don't, I live so small then. I don't even know how I lived, uh, just wanting everything because somebody else had it, you know, and some people are, are really overcome and overtaken with this kind of of darkness in their souls. And so the answer really is to to walk with God and to understand uh, what God's provision is for his his people and to expect God's provision at every turn and and learn how to to obey God and and to do the things that are pleasing in his sight and then the payoff comes. If we learn how to walk with him, uh, then the payoff really, really comes. And so this spirit of shame is associated with guilt. It's also associated with sin and wrongdoing. You know, how many of you, 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 you've heard people say, oh, shame on you. You know, if you say something that's, that's not flattering or embarrassing or just hurtful to somebody, uh, they'll, They'll use shame as a weapon against you. Amen. Why is that? Because that's true in the realm of the spirit. Shame is a weapon against us. Amen. But we need to know that and understand that and, and understand where it comes from. Because if if that's a weapon against us, then we've got to understand that when that shows up, there's something not right in our thinking, somehow how that spirit has been released against us. Sometimes spiritual forces are really an assignment against us. You know, if the enemy knows he's gotten you control over your life in the past through shame, he'll, he'll use that as a weapon against you. Shame keeps you from going forward. It becomes a stumbling block. Amen. If it's not dealt with spiritually, it has to be dealt with properly or you won't get rid of it. Amen. And so this is this is the thing that we have to understand about it because it's so common for that spirit to be around. It's so common for it to lurk. Uh, it's so common for it to be uh, in our lives. Uh, sometimes there are things that we've done way back in the past that God forgave us when we got born again. And then we'll, you'll start thinking about something in your past and your mind will come across that incident where you did that wrong thing and then this lowering of your countenance, putting your head down. Feeling remorse again. Where does that come from? It comes from memories and it comes from a spiritual assignment to keep us with that stumbling block in front of us. 
So instead of shame, God gives us what? He gives us confidence. He gives us boldness. He gives us, you know, really hope in him. That's, you know, that that's how you eradicate shame from your life. But trust me, it'll come up whenever it can because the enemy uses whatever he can against us to hinder our forward progress. Why is it that when when we're waiting on God to do something, we say waiting on the promises, waiting on an open door, waiting on the first thing your mind will do is say, well, what did I do wrong? That See, that's shame. That's not because it, it travels around. It's, it's in our memories. It's in our um, history. It's in our past. It lurks in your, your, your carnal, the mind of your carnal man, which is always there. I mean, we get our minds renewed in the, but it's not a total job. As long as you got memory, shame can pop up at any time and become an active weapon in your forward progress in God. And so we need to understand that because I, I see many times in, in with myself too, you know, I mean, many times, uh, the enemy will, will make that pop up in people's lives so that they, they get a sense of not of unworthiness, not being qualified. God doesn't want me to have it. Maybe I did something. Maybe that, and that all comes from that, that shame. That's why the enemy uses it because it keeps us from making the forward progress we need to make. Um, if you go to Psalm 25 and I'll show you what David's prayer was and, and what his hope was, and, and we'll go through some more scripture because uh, it's a good thing to to combat this thing and and defeat it, put it under your feet and and so forth because shame motivates us to do a lot of things that we when we get involved in and we wish we had you you understand it's a sneaky little devil and uh it'll it'll start to you need to keep it uh, up in the passenger seat of your car if you're driving around with your stuff Keep it in the passenger seat where you can watch it. Don't put it in the back seat because it'll start talking to you and you'll think that's you talking to you. <laughs> See, in, on the road of life, <laughs> we have passengers, amen? And, uh, you know, sometimes you wish you could get rid of all of them, but just keep that rascal where you can watch him. Keep your your finger on him. Don't let him get access. Don't let him start whispering. And allow allow yourself the freedom to operate without it and without it disturbing you. When something disturbs you, then you're almost on the road to letting it defeat you. You know, if you let things just bother you so much. Because really, all you can't do anything about it anyway. Everything that needed to be done, Jesus did it already. But you've got to invest more of your time and attention in what he did and not so much in what the devil is doing to try and defeat you. Depends on where your focus is and where you give your attention. So in Psalm 25, verse 1, it says, Unto you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Amen. This person is lifting up his mind to God. He's lifting up his, his thoughts to God. Everything that's, that's in his innermost being. He's lifting that up to the Lord. For what reason? For examination. For looking at it. God, look at, examine me, Lord. 
I don't want anything in my mind that's going to be a, a hindrance to my walk with you, a hindrance to my life with you. Amen. So you lift up your soul to God. God, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's get a plan. Let's get some understanding. He says, Oh my God, I trust in you. So when you offer your soul up to God to be examined by him because you trust him, he's, he's not going to give you any bad news. He's going to, uh, operate and, and, uh, eliminate what it is that's, that's unpleasant and not pleasing to him, not useful for what he, he had. It, it was kind of interesting. I, I, I received a prophecy way back early in my walk with God was one of the first prophecies I'd ever received having to do with um, where God was taking me. And he he told me, he says, uh, he says, I've called you and, and, you know, and he said, he said, you've been through some things. He said, I had to burn away some things that I could not use. And see what we think we've been through some because we, we did wrong. We think it's a punishment. And he says, I had to burn away some things that I couldn't use. So there's, those are things that you pick up in life and yeah, they're sin and yeah, they're wrong, but God doesn't see he's not condemning you for the fact that he, he just couldn't use it. So it's gone now. Amen. And so we move on. He he starts to impart things that he can use now. And he's free to do it because those things have been removed, see. And and there's a difference, folks, because where we would condemn ourselves and where we would put ourselves down and be angry, oh boy, I still I'm I'm still wrestling with this. I should be over this by now. Who are you to condemn yourself? You know, it, it's God that does the justifying. This is the work of God. And so I tell people, I said, you know, just, just relax and let God have it. Amen. Just, just let him have what, what he needs to have so you can go forward. And he says, I trust in you. So trusting God really does really, when you lift up your soul to him, do it in trust. Do it trusting him, trusting what he's going to do. He says, he says, don't let me be ashamed. Don't let me be ashamed. And we're going to talk about that word. He says, let not mine enemies triumph over me. So shame, what it means here, what he's saying is, Lord, I'm trusting in you. Don't let me go down to defeat. If I go down to defeat, my enemies will laugh at me. And and isn't that really what it's about, folks? If we trust God, is it gonna, are we gonna get what we're trusting Him for? Are we gonna be disappointed, have egg on our face, and wind up being ashamed that we even spoke His name, or we ever spoke the promise, we ever spoke the prophecy? See? This is why the enemy uses shame as a weapon against us to keep our words from being God's words. Because if we speak God's word and we believe it's going to come to pass, then it's out there. See, it's out there for us to see, for the world to see, for the devil to see, for everybody to see. And man, if God doesn't come through with for us, oh boy. See, see, this is, this is how shame amplifies its voice in us. 
because really it comes as a threat. It's not, it's not, defeat is not promised to us. You understand what I'm saying? But what shame does is it shows up when you start to speak God's word and it makes you think, oh boy, now suppose this don't happen. See, this is the voice of shame. And he also brings doubt with him to help him to defeat you. Remember when when Hezekiah got the word from the Lord and he came and, and the enemy sent all these messengers to talk to God's people. Don't believe what Hezekiah, he's going to tell you God's going to do this. He's going to say all those same spirits show up when we begin to prophesy over our lives. See, this is why a lot of times we don't use God's word or we we stuff it back inside of us when it wants to come out. You know, you get an unction to speak what God has said and then something goes through your mind. Well, what, what is, is this real? Is God going to really do this? What am I? Doubt. Well, shame brought doubt with him. Because if we trust God. If we ever get in the habit of habitually trusting him, you ever notice you trust him, trust him when it's an emergency, when you can't do nothing else? See, when you can't go, do anything else, all of a sudden you get real brave because there's nothing else there hindering you. Or or if it's there hindering you, you don't pay any attention to it because you're so desperate to get something now. Well, God wants us to live in that kind of desperation all the time, not in our circumstances, but desperation to see him come to our aid and our rescue. Amen. So it's really not about what you're believing God for and how important it is for you to have it. It's speaking the word of God all the time. And the enemy wants to be there to hinder us. As often as possible, folks, he's going to show up anyway to try and discourage us from believing. Keep us in doubt. Keep us from, from, if you never speak it out, it will never happen. Trust me. It will never happen. You can have all kinds of promises, all kinds of good thoughts from God, all kinds of anything. But until you make a declaration of it, amen, it's not going to happen. Why is that? Because faith is the word of God. The word of faith speaks on this wise. This is how faith operates through your words first. Amen. That word has to be spoken before it can happen. When you pray, that word gets spoken. Amen. When you begin to thank God for it, it gets spoken. When you talk to God about it, it gets spoken. So it's what's spoken in faith that God will honor what comes to pass. And and this gives us control over our lives. You don't want all kinds of thoughts that you have to happen all of a sudden. My goodness, what kind of crazy person would you be? Think of all the thoughts that go through your mind. Thank God most of them are not expressed. Amen? (laughs) So God has that that rule, that law that is set up. The law of faith is set up for that reason. So that it gives us willful control over what happens in our lives, what we can expect to happen in our lives, what we we give volume to, what we give voice to 
is what we expect will happen. When parents, when you call your children home, you don't call them with your mind. They'll never get there. And if you tell them that's how you call them, uh, they get real scared of you then. Oh, Lord, Mama trying to get me home with her mind. I don't know what's coming next. Amen. So don't play them like that. Amen. Learn how to, and we all know how to give voice to our needs and, and our expectations. But when we start giving voice to the things of the kingdom, we're operating in a different realm then. And we need to understand that. The kingdom of God stands in opposition to the kingdom of darkness. So there's warfare over our words. And where there's warfare, all weapons are on the table. Which means the devil can use any weapon he can think to pick up and throw at you. He can pick up and hurl it at you. But what he does is he will use some choice weapons that are designed to defeat us personally. So he can keep working them over and over again. He's a lazy devil. And so are we. And he knows we ain't that creative and he don't have to get that creative either. So he uses the same stuff that works over and over and over again. If he can get you guilty about it, if he can get you uh, feeling hopeless about it, and upset about it, quit. I'm going to quit quitting. <laughs> he, had, he understand what I'm saying. If he can get us in that kind of state about things, then he's got us defeated. We We walk away and we say, well, this doesn't work. God's not going to do this for me. I can't, I can't have this because. See that unworthiness thing. And see, that goes with sin, guilt, shame, unworthiness. It's all a package deal. So he brings all those demons with him and he starts giving them voice in your head, making them speak up to you. Oh, shame didn't work. She didn't got bold now. Well, let me show her this. Let me fight that angel that's bringing it to her and delay it for a few days and see what she does. See, sometimes this is why we have to, it takes time for us to be able to receive from God. Because we've got a, we've got, God's not just going to give it to us and we're emotional about stuff and give it away to the devil at the, at the slightest whim. If you understood really what it cost Jesus to give us stuff, we just see what's in the Bible. We didn't go through that experience with him, you know, to be aware of everything it cost him. We wouldn't be so quick and so flipped to want everything, you know, before we're ready to to manage it and be good stewards over it. So, So it's a good thing sometimes that there's delay in things. You know, it's it's like, you, you know, if, if you're a parent raising children, you look at them when they were 10 and 12 and they were, Mom, I want this. I want it. You see, you know, I'm, I'm so glad they didn't get it back then. I'm so glad I wasn't silly enough to go and buy them everything or couldn't afford to get them everything. That's sometimes that's a blessing, too. It keeps some restraint on you. Amen. And so so God wants us to live in his kingdom, in his righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, freedom from fear, freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from doubt, uh, unbelief, all of the dark forces. He wants those under our feet, but he wants us to live free in him. So in, in our psalm, it says here, 
don't let my enemies triumph over me. That's what brings shame. Once the devil brings your defeat back to you, that's where the shame comes from. He'll he'll remind you. Oh, remember the last time. The reason why this is late now is the last time God did this for you. You didn't keep it. You didn't do what you were supposed to do with it. And that's been so long ago, you don't even remember what you were supposed to do. But you believe that. Because you're guilty of everything. That must be true. I know I, that's me. I didn't do right. Forgive me. You understand what I'm saying? We start owning all this stuff in a hurry. Why? Just because it, it's it's like we're kind of like a kind of, I guess you could say conditioned. It is soul is conditioned in a way to accept stupidity. Amen. And so he says, don't let my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on you be ashamed. In other words, he says it twice. I'm trusting in you. I'm waiting on you. Don't let me be ashamed. Don't let me be confused and confounded. Don't let, let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Amen. Let the, let the wicked people put shame over there on the bad people. Don't put it on me. I'm trying to live right over here, God. You know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, but I'm trusting you. And, and just from the way the sound of this, it sounds like the writer is just just hanging in there. You know what I'm saying? Like we are sometimes. God, I don't know if this is right or wrong. I'm I'm praying the best I know how it hasn't happened yet. I'm wondering when it's going to happen. I'm even getting to wonder if you ever told me this was going to You understand what I'm saying? We go way back in our, our little faith file and and try to find if, did God really say that to me? Am I just believing this just to be believing it? What happened to my my confidence in this thing? Where did it go? All of a sudden, shame is coming in. A fear of shame, the threat of shame is coming into me. I'm thinking, boy, if I don't get this. And nobody's really watching us. You ever think about that? You know, with, with shame in front of who? The people at church are struggling the same way I am. They're trying to make ends meet just like I am. They're more fo- more focused on their, who is it that we think we're being ashamed in front of? And that is, that that's the spiritual world. That spiritual world, that's where we are beginning to draw from now when you're dealing with God. You're dealing with with, with the witnesses Remember, I call heaven and earth to record this day. There's witnesses out there in the realm of the spirit. Heaven and earth are witnessing what we do. Demons from hell, the, the, the third heaven is witnessing what we do. And many of them are trying to ridicule and laugh at us. Amen. Well, just get accustomed to him laughing at you. And, and don't let it bother you. Sometimes people, he'll some people to ridicule you and make fun of you and, oh, what, what, what is this you doing now? What's this? What's going on here? What's going on there? Amen. It just don't pay, don't pay any attention to it. Amen. Ridicule is not, it's not coming from God. Amen. If, if you're doing something that needs correction, God will correct you. Amen. He's not making fun of you. He's trying to examine you so that you have confidence in him. 
Amen. And so there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And so here he says, don't let me be ashamed. Amen. Because why? Because he's feeling shame. Amen. He's trying to refuse it the best way he can. So he's saying, God, I'm trusting you. Please come through for me. Don't let me have egg on my face at the end of the day. Let me experience your goodness. Let me experience the answer. Let me know what it's like to have victory, God. Let me know what it's like to make it through, you know, in this one. And, and so here the writer is, is fighting these spiritual forces that come against all of us when we begin to step out in God. It's like they're primed at the door. You know, like Paul said, a great door of opportunity has opened to me, but with many adversaries. See, there's there's demons to fight you at the door of opportunity. Why? They want to trip you up going through the door. They want to keep you from going through there. And many times they follow you in the door until you did the wrong thing, even though it's it's working for you. They're assigned to defeat us. And so shame is one of those, one of those spiritual forces that the enemy has in, in it's sneaky, it's subtle. Before you know it, it's sneaked into your thinking again. All you gotta do is, is have remorse about something. It can be something you confessed already. Sometimes people have, have their consciences are, are what I call kind of tenderized, very sensitive. To, to what's right and what's wrong. And, and we, we want to live for God. It got to be that way. But like, like the writer here says, he says, uh, I lift up my soul to you. Lift up your soul to God. Don't be trying to examine yourself outside of God's microscope. Girl, you find all kind of stuff wrong with you. Huh? Oh Lord, here I am. Like me and Pastor Shirley used to say, we we get to the conference and say, you know what? I meant to lose that ten pounds the last time we left. We left nothing. I said we said we wouldn't come to conference fat no more, did we? Yeah, we said that. Hey man, here we are again. You know what I'm saying? I just any little thing to beat yourself up about, and it's always that that. 10 pounds, 5 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever it is, you find a reason to beat yourself up if you just want to. Amen? Like, who are we to judge? I think your inner man looks wonderful. That's what God's looking at. Yeah, he's concerned about the outer, but it ain't no deal breaker. If it was, it would the deal would have been broke already. Amen? If God wants you to lose weight, he knows exactly what to do for you. Amen? Anybody ever had a toothache? Yeah, you go get it yanked and you're right back eating again. Amen? He knows He knows all these punishments are temporary measures. He said, no, nah, that sister go get it. She'll puree hers and go put, go get a, she'll be the first pureed hamburger eater. Put it in that blender. Amen? So he knows better to try. He'll, he'll work on our inward man to get us to make the decision, the right decisions, folks, the right decisions. 
as to what to eat and what not to eat. But I can tell you one thing, as long as you're worked up and neurotic about it, he's not going to move. He's going to wait till you get peaceful. Because he'd let you handle it if he just were a flesh thing. You understand what I'm saying? And so he he knows the order that he has to, to get us together in. And it's never, ever, ever like you think. You got me? Never like you think. So like the writer says, Lord, I lift up my soul to you. I'm giving this over to you. I let you have my thoughts, my wishes, my desires, all of the things that are important to me in my thinking, in my heart. I'm, I'm lifting that up to you. Examine me. Try, why am I so wanting this so much, Lord? What's, what's the deal with me? Is it you? Did you put this in me? Did you put this on my heart? Or is this something I'm just lusting after because it's something that's, that's left over from my old man? Or I'm tired of people criticizing me. I want to show them something. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, these things are, and this is why we need God to examine us. I mean, seriously, you know, I know there are a lot of people that think you don't have to confess your sins to God anymore. I don't even know what kind of Christianity that is. Because that's the foundation of everything. The blood is the foundation. It, that spilled out blood is what, what the seed of our, our new life in Christ was birthed in. Amen. And, and it's good to go back to Calvary, man. Sometimes you go there and, and God will begin to show you things and, Sometimes we think, say for instance, if, if you, you've got symptoms in your body and, and they keep lingering, you want to get rid of them. You gotta, it's good to take a little walk down memory lane. Go back to the foot of the cross. Go back to Calvary and say, God, show me what you went through. Show me. Now I think I'm like the average Christian. I, when I would see all that in the Bible, sometimes I try to skip over it. It was just so, it's unpleasant to think another human being suffered and there they they there was nothing they paid a price for somebody they didn't even know yet didn't know them yet and gave their lives so that you could live and and didn't back down on on that promise went through everything and it's like you you read it, but you don't want to read all the details. I know that's the way I would read it sometimes and wouldn't want to think about it too much. And and I'm thinking it's good to think about because somebody took your place. You deserve what he got. It's good that you didn't get it, but don't just say it's good and keep stepping. You know, sometimes it's, I mean, we identify, we're supposed to identify. In his sufferings. We're supposed to fellowship in his sufferings. Take part in it with him. You got me? And so it's a good thing sometimes. I'll never forget Mel Gibson's testimony about he was a wreck. He was depressed, suicidal, an alcoholic. His family was falling apart. Everything was falling. And he made that movie, The Passion of the Christ. He said, I, I, him being a Catholic, he would go and just stare at the cross. He said, I began to meditate on what he went through. I began to meditate on his death, his crucifixion, and all that he went through. And when that got into his soul, guess what left? Depression left. 
you wouldn't think it would because it's so horrendous to even think about. But when once that got, see, the exchange was made. However you make the exchange, that's how you make the exchange. Some people make it in the communion table, and that's good. But it's good to meditate, to, to fellowship in his sufferings, because sometimes that makes what you're going through not as painful, not as difficult, not as big a struggle. There's nothing wrong with it, folks. It's not like some unnecessary, uh, you know, meaningless thing that people put themselves through. You know, it's perverted thing or, or, you know, whatever. It's not twisted. It's not, um, unnecessary to think on those things. Amen. It's called the fellowship of his sufferings. Cause most of the time we want out of suffering and we want out of suffering real quick. But the Bible says that we have to fellowship in that. Some of us, the minute somebody don't speak to us, we're crying and want to, don't want to come back to church anymore. He was despised and rejected. We can't even fellowship in that even a little bit. See, all these lying people on Facebook talking about they got hurt in the church. You didn't stay long enough to get hurt. Some saints have been there 50 years and still going. Every Sunday, haven't missed a time. Well, how's that work? Huh? How's it happen for some people that they're faithful? Oh, because people like them. No, no, you don't know that. You don't know what their experience has been. You have no idea. No idea. I was uh, listening. Somebody gave a testimony. They, 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 a long history of, of you know, being in church, been Christians all their uh, lives pretty much. And they talked about an experience. There was a woman in their church and um, she was the talk of the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Honest people often are. And she was married to a man who wasn't a believer. And she would, at you know, they would have the altar at the end of service. Y'all pray for my husband's salvation. Just remember to lift brother so-and-so up and, you know, pray for him to be saved. I want my husband saved. And some places, it's too many devils in there for you to be that honest. Some churches, the atmosphere doesn't doesn't support real honesty, heartfelt honesty, a real desire for God to move. Because people gotten so accustomed to just making stuff up. Or if you got problems, you better not tell them saints. Don't you get up in church and say nothing about that. They talk about you. See, that's the shame devil speaking to you. So you don't, don't go up to the altar. People know something's wrong with you. There's something wrong with everybody in there. You show me where this is not a hospital for the sick. Amen. And so, so, you know, the devil will, will do things like, and she said, uh, there were, the, the day came where her husband came to church and answered the altar call and got saved. And that man within a, a year's, less than a year's time was, was, uh, uh, one of the deacons there. He, he did every ministry in that church. He, escorted people in parking. He was an usher. He did, was just very, very dependable. Uh, you know, he turned her shame 
into his glory. See, you get glory for your shame. See, all the people that made fun of her, oh boy, here she come again. I know, pray for my husband, Sally. You understand what the devil does to people to keep you from going forth? He puts shame on you in advance. Amen. To keep you from being honest, for keep you from asking for prayer, to keep you in darkness, to keep him in control of your life, keep you skipping asking the saints to pray. You know, it wasn't her job to to judge if anybody was going to pray for real or not. It was her job. It was her job to ask. God said, get up and ask. These are my people. Make them pray for your husband. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes God keeps churches alive like that. You realize how dead churches go when they don't pray and don't pray for the lost. Amen. And don't pray for people to come to church and get saved, all that stuff. So that you don't know that might have been keeping the saints alive, the church alive, keeping God there because there's work to do. Somebody still believing for a miracle. He outlived her. They had her home going while he and they they'd grown old in the church. He was still there, still there serving God. Look at all the years of service he got and all the years of service God got out of him. Because his wife humbled herself and always asked for her husband, for prayer for her husband to be saved. Amen. The, the ridiculing women didn't get that. To understand? Some of them husbands backslid and treat them so bad they quit even serving God. See that unsaved soul there may be, may be the, the weapon for your discouragement to keep you from going forward. You need to get up and ask for prayer for that person. You understand me? Humble yourself. And so there are many, many situations, folks, where we could back down. We could become ashamed. We could give in to shame instead of having that confidence and boldness and step on that spirit of shame on your way up to the throne to declare what God has for you and to ask God boldly for what you need. Amen. Shame comes on you every time when you go out to witness somebody to somebody. You ever have that thought? Suppose a shame talking folks every single time. Suppose they say no. Suppose they don't want. Suppose in, in when you get a no answer, cause you will, you'll get some no sometimes when you get a no answer. The enemy follows you and reminds you the next time you want to pray for. He'll remind you, remember the last time you asked somebody that? Immobilize you. No? So how do we deal with shame? And what where does shame come from? I, I think we need to put this demon to rest and put him and get him out of our lives because we need to understand that that uh uh it's it's not for us. It came in the garden, okay? It came with when Adam and Eve sinned, what did the first thing they say? I hid from God because I was ashamed. So with disobedience, sin, comes shame, comes uh, uh, withdrawal. Shame cloaks you in something that's not sufficient. To cover you. Amen. So what did they do? They made coats of skins. 
they tried to hide by their own devices. So when shame comes against us, what do we do? We start to argue with it as a way of defending ourselves against it. Amen. We try to explain ourselves to the spirit of shame. Amen. He'll say, well, you can't say you're, you're a heel because you're still sick. Huh? And then your mind will start saying, well, now wait a minute. Then what am I supposed, what am I supposed, you ever do that? What am I supposed to say? What, you just start talking to that stupid devil and explaining to him. You try and explain yourself to a, a demon that's going to be there one way or the other. Amen. He's always going to be there trying to keep himself in a place where he can run your life, distract you, keep you answering to him like he's God, keep you entertained with your faults and with your, well, God, when am I going to get this? I mean, God, it has been a long time that I've been, you know, you're you're to start conversing with the enemy now. Amen. And we do that because shame came as a package deal. It's always riding along. It's always along for the ride. It's always there to, to proposition us and, and to keep us, Hey, little one, lay down and stop that. Lead him covers alone. It's always there to, to make a new, like, like it's bringing up something new. And there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. This ain't new. Shame comes every single day knocking on your door. Let me see. Is she home yet? Go on. Get on up. It's early in the morning. You're sleeping too late. Anything that condemns you is shame. He making you get up early because he want to harass you. Huh? Sometimes the best thing you can do if you got time, turn over and go back to sleep. Well, at least I'm not letting shame wake me up this morning. You ever get up with guilt? I do. I, I, I think well, I've gotten up with everything. So, you know, it's, it's nothing new under the sun here. But guilt will wake you up. What you doing sleeping so long? You know you need to be up out of this bed. Huh? God don't wake you up like that. He gives his beloved sweet sleep. Which means if your sleep was sweet, you wake up as sweet too. You know, your best thing you can do is when you get up, start addressing God the minute you get up, and let shame hit the floor. Just push it, throw your covers back, and let Him fall on the floor with your covers, and say, "God, I'm up. Thank you for waking me up, Lord." And let shame lick dust first thing in the morning. Make him, let him get you up out of nothing. Come on. Shame comes as, as a false covering. It's a false covering. And we need to shed it as soon as possible. Amen. So what do you pick up instead of shame? Mm-hmm. Quit guessing. Now, the first one is wrong. Don't work me, okay? Think. Now, see, if you sit back and let the Holy Spirit tell you, he'll tell you. What did God do in the garden when they were ashamed? 
Yeah, but he had to cover him with something. He slew an animal, and what came out of that animal? If blood gets applied, and the blood is your righteousness. That sacrifices your righteousness. So he gives you righteousness instead of your shame. You got me? Righteousness is your proper covering. That blood provides righteousness. Amen? So when we put our faith in God and faith in what Jesus did for that, for us, that becomes our righteousness. See, that's your only proper covering for shame. So you cast shame off and God covers us with the Bible calls it a robe of righteousness. From head to toe righteousness. Covered up all of our shame, all of our nakedness, all of our what we don't have. Everything we lack is covered up by that blood sacrifice. So that righteousness comes into us as a proper covering for us. Shame is not a good covering because shame is going to leave some stuff exposed. Amen. And so what you need to do is expose the shame. The shame, I put shame on you. Huh? I put shame on your shame. Amen. You go somewhere and, and hide. You go somewhere and, and get invisible. You go get lost. Cause I'm not receiving you. I don't get that. That's not my portion. It's not my lot. I plead the blood. Amen. I know I do wrong, but he doesn't count it against me. You know, you don't have to try to be a, this is where we go wrong. We try to hide what we did. We be a professional, uh, we're a professional righteous person. All on our own. I didn't do nothing. I didn't. No, no, you just call your lawyer because you don't even know what you did. It's a good thing God don't show us a videotape every time we come to the throne and we see a trail. Oh, I was faking it there. I didn't really love that person. I was, God told me to give him something. I didn't even give it to him. I thought that way. I rebuked that voice. Told me to give somebody something. Huh? Even if it's not received, you gotta, you gotta obey God anyway. Sometimes it just causes people to think. You know, sometimes there's memorial offerings. I know we don't see a much in the word, you know, but there are offerings that, uh, uh, Cornelius, when he was, he was, a, a, a Gentile and, uh, he was giving to the church. Wasn't saved, but it just felt to do it. Felt it was the right thing to do. And God told him, he said, your giving has come up as a memorial to me. See, that's that's a nice offering, folks. That's one of them. He didn't have to take it, but he took it offerings. How many of those have we given up? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, when when you think about it, he's like, well, your heart was right. You know, the wrong, your wrong heart was right. Because Cornelius had a wrong heart. He was a Gentile. He wasn't a believer. But his wrong heart was right. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, folks, God can go into deep recesses and find something good in everybody. He finds something to reward you for. And there was a day that salvation came to that man's household. 
And his offerings weren't even covered in the blood. His offerings weren't required. They weren't, but they were honored by God. God looked and saw a man doing the best he knew how to do. He was imitating them saints. If he wasn't a real saint, he was doing a pretty good job imitating them. You got me? And it impressed God. He probably gave consistently. You know, there are a lot of people that get blessed like that. Tons of them. They don't, and maybe nobody's preached the gospel to them. You ever think about that? They're not saved because some saint ain't doing their job. That's pretty likely. But God still holds them. He holds on to what they do. But see, we, we can give those memorial type offerings. You know, we're, we're, we're not, not sure about something, but we, we're sure enough that we don't want to, we don't want to be wrong before God. You know, we want to pass that opportunity up to bless somebody. Amen. Or to do what we feel is the right thing towards somebody. Maybe you get in trouble for it. You know, you get misunderstood by family members or, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, parents get into this sometimes with other people's kids. You know, you, you let it, somebody, some of your children's friends come in and you bless them with something and your kid gets mad. You understand what I'm saying? You stick your mouth in Johnny because I'd rather be wrong with you and right with God. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you know, as a parent, you might stumble a little bit. Maybe I do do too much for these. Maybe they parents don't like. You understand what I'm saying? You can go off on a nice little bunny trail feeling guilty and feeling ashamed. Because shame will, shame knows all the little deep dark corridors of your brain. And they know how to go in there and sweep some more dust out to try and give you new thoughts with it. Amen. And so this is an enemy for sure. But there is a way to defeat shame so that it doesn't because shame comes as a stumbling block to get you to disobey God some more. So it came with the initial disobedience and it stays around to try to run the show. Let me see if I can get her her guilty about something else and start running her life where she won't do anything almost for God. You know, sometimes God blesses people with it. You ever see people that, that are generous and then they get mad at themselves for doing the right thing? I've seen it. I've done that at times myself. I told the Lord, I said, uh-uh, that ain't going to be me. That ain't gonna be. See, they just think I'm weak. I'm gonna stop being, I'm gonna stop doing so much for, yeah, you, preach to yourself. That's what shame's got a hold of you. See? It's never wrong to do right. In fact, it's wrong not to. The Bible says never to withhold good for someone when it's within your power to do it. Not your liking, not God's will, within your power to do it. You have power to bless somebody with with money that that they need. You give it to them. You got it sitting around. It's not no. Well, it's not much. <laughs> you know, many people sitting around idle money sitting around. You understand what I'm saying? But you might have the ability to to loan. You know, maybe you got a credit card that you could use or something like that. Somebody's in an emergency. Get them over the hump. You got the power to do good. Do it. And don't sit up and think about, well, I, I got to get a confirm. You'll never get one. 
You need to step out the answers right there. The Bible says do it. Don't say do it if you get a conference. You ain't no place to be fleecing nobody. Let let somebody fleece you, fleece on your situation when you have a need. Just gonna do that. Quit complaining. Amen. My husband would get embarrassed sometimes if I would, you know, we we would have a meal or something. I'd make a pan of rolls, two people a pan of rolls. What you going to do with them? So I would take some and, and, you know, just package them up. I'll, you know, call the neighbor. Hey, I got some rolls over here. You guys, you'll have something for breakfast in the morning. Let me bring them over. You know, it's, there you go again. I said, listen, if we listen to you, we wouldn't have nothing. Stingy devil. Do you understand what I'm saying? You gotta kill all them stingy devils. You're gonna sit up and let something go to waste and, and you could, you could, who knows what that has, and you wanna go tell them about Jesus. And you're stingy. What kind of witness is that? Amen? Don't shoot your witness. I used to tell him, I said, uh uh-uh, uh, we, me and you ain't gonna sit up here and eat all these. Because that's the next thing. Amen. There's too much for somebody. Overindulgence. Not supposed to have all of that. Come on. And so I'm serious. And, and, and this is why God gives us abundance. Abundance is part of your witness. You don't ever be ashamed at the abundance that God puts in your life. Amen. Don't ever be ashamed. You know, and, and pray about things. I would pray about it. So, Lord, if this is an embarrassment to him or this is wrong to do, you know, for more neighbors, let me know. You know, I'll cut back. I don't have to do anything. But time and time again, when they needed prayer, where did they come? Do you understand what I'm saying? Hospitality opens the door of your heart to their heart. Amen. The Bible says not not to to forget to be hospitable. It's easy to overlook it because you got what you want. You're secure. You're comfortable. You got everything you need, yada, 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 yada. What's left? Share it with somebody. Be hospitable. Well, those people, they have a lot. You don't know that. They don't have what I got. I got Jesus. This food is just a, a, a you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just a hall pass to get into the the front door. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's reason for everything, folks. Not to mention that, you know, you cook good. So you want to share your good cooking with somebody. Whatever it is. I don't care. You know, whatever. Your motive. I mean, you got to work with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so these are the things that we need to understand that that shame bolts, bolts the door shut. To our hearts. Because the enemy doesn't want your heart to be revealed. See, if your heart is revealed in the atmosphere, your heart is revealed to your neighbor, your heart is revealed to other believers or to uh, anybody, then then people get to see God. That's your witness. And shame keeps you from from being that witness that you need to be. So shame is associated with some things. Um, one is dishonor. Dishonor. 
Habakkuk 2. Let me go there if I can find it real quickly. At least little teeny, teeny prophets. Ah, here you are. Habakkuk 2, verse 10. says, you have consulted shame to your house by cutting off many people and have sinned against your soul. So when you cut off many people and sin against your soul, when you do wrong, you have put shame on your whole household. You can bring, you can bring shame and dishonor to everybody in your family. Bring disgrace to them by your disobedience. You let enough people find out about it and they'll start talking. Oh boy, that's that family. You ever been there? You ever had people in your neighborhood that were like that? Everybody talked about them, want to avoid them? Why? Sin, shame, dishonor. So when shame is removed out of your life, honor takes its place. God wants to honor you by answering that prayer. He wants you to make your confession and make your prayer known to him so he can honor you with the answer. And shame comes in advance. What? To get you never to utter the word, never to utter the prayer, never to say what's on your heart to say. Because it wants you to think it won't be answered. Shame is associated with defeat. Isaiah chapter 30. And verse 3, I think it is. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame. When you trust in something other than God, it brings shame to you. He is not going to let another God, another person, another device. It will always bring you down because God will not share his glory with another. Many times God wants to bless us to let us be an example for him. Amen. You know, that's part of his honor. When his children are honored, when his children are blessed, he gets honor. He gets glory out of that. I always give God, you don't give him nothing, honey. You just talking words. Because mostly time underneath, we want somebody pat us on the back. Amen. A testimony can be an open door for you to bring trouble to your life. You keep running your mouth the wrong way. And so many times, so... In, even if you don't give a testimony, God will get glory out of your life. He will, he knows how to get it. He knows how to point people in your direction. He knows how to draw t- attention to you in the way he wants it drawn. Amen. So, so he says here, Pharaoh will be your, the strength of, of the sinner will be your shame. The strength of disobedience will be your shame. And trust in the shadow of Egypt, your confusion. So shame and confusion are linked together. Amen. Confusion, the Bible says when you trust in God, you will not be ashamed, confounded. They use those terms interchangeably. Amen. When you trust in God and it doesn't happen yet, what do you do? I'm talking about normal people. I'm not talking people with the right answer all the time. What do you really do? Huh? 
This ain't a right answer class. You need to take that to the ninth grade, girl. Huh? I'm talking about reveal, reveal your heart stuff. What happens when your promise is delayed? You go to wondering. Wondering is a sign of confusion. You were sure it was yours when you prayed. Unless you was lying for real. Huh? I believe I received when I prayed. It's mine. I know it's mine. I got it. I got it. I got it. You go walk down the street with it for about 10 minutes and then you start. Wonder why it didn't happen yet. Huh? Cause confusion hits you. Amen? So shame, confusion, they're all linked. Shame follows us after we leave the throne room. Don't think you, it's not gonna jump on you cause you, you didn't felt real good about it. I know I got it. I believe I received it when I prayed. Huh? Did you? That's what shame said. Did you really? Have God said? Wants to confound and confuse you. Then you don't know what's going on. I don't know what's, when's the last, must be I didn't read the word enough. I didn't confess enough. I didn't, confusion. Huh? Confounded. All because the enemy raised a little specter of doubt. How come you don't have it yet? Huh? Your answer is, I got it. Devil, you saw me go in the throne room. I'll never come out the throne room empty-handed. Huh? Start prophesying his demise. Listen, devil, I get something every time I go in the throne room. If I don't get nothing but a good laugh on you. I sit up and me and Jesus talk about the last time he blessed me and we had a good laugh on you. And your stinking shame. Amen? So shame is also a sign of defeat. It's a sign of confusion, Isaiah 6, 7. This is the prophet with the hot coal on his mouth. In verse 7, he said, uh, he laid it upon my mouth. That's a hot coal. And he said, lo, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Amen. Your iniquity is, how come I got six, seven on here? Come on, Lord. Ah. It must be a different word is used in a different translation. Amen. All right, so we'll skip that one. Nakedness, Isaiah 47, 3. It says, your nakedness shall be uncovered. Yes, your shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet you as a man. In other words, what God is saying, you keep disobeying me and everybody's going to know that you don't know me. Everybody's going to see you broke, 
They're going to see you confused. They're going to see you without a home. They're going to, this is nakedness. When he talks about nakedness to Israel, he is talking about their lack, what they don't, what they used to have that they don't have anymore. See, you were once clothed in dignity. Now you're ashamed because they see you're broke. You can't take care of yourself. They were sacrificing to other gods. In fact, in in uh, one of the prophets, I think it was Ezekiel, went into great detail about the conversations people would have about what they were doing when they would uh, bake cakes to the queen of heaven and they would pour out drink offerings to other gods. And he, they would have these conversations within themselves talking about, well, the last time we got fed, this God fed us because we poured this out to her and she fed us. And they said, do you not know God provided everything even though you were doing that? That doesn't mean anything just because that was the last God you poured out to that the God of Israel is not still feeding you in his mercy. See, don't make that mistake. You know, there are people that 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 will come to the church and sin and sin and sin and think because they're still walking around alive, God's not mad at them. Or think it, it's okay to do wrong. That's just wrong. You know it's wrong. Whatever is wrong within you, that's what's wrong. See, when you know it's wrong in your heart, it's wrong. And don't load it, lie to yourself and say because God hasn't done this and he hasn't done that. And, well, if it was so wrong, how come God ain't done it? Honey, he might do it. You're living on his mercy if you did not but know it. You're not mocking him. He ain't scared of you. He's waiting for you to wake up and straighten up so he can really bless you. We expect so little. Well, you expect little when you're doing wrong. In fact, you expect to be cut off from a little when you do wrong. You understand what I'm saying? So just because God hasn't come and knocked on your door and hit you with a pitchfork of fire, that doesn't mean that what you're doing is okay with him. Let's don't get it twisted. Wrong is wrong. What's in your heart that tells you it's wrong, that's when you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong within you. You don't need bolts of fire from heaven to come down and tell you something ain't right. Shoot. We, we gotta live higher than that. And so many times Israel kept doing wrong. They even said, well, this must be the God that's blessing us because we keep, every time we pour out something to this God, we, we get something. We get blessed every time we, you understand what I'm saying? What, <laughs> what kind of relationship do you have with God? Amen. So it's like cheating on a spouse and just because you keep coming home and they don't jump on you or whatever, know what you're doing. You think you're getting away with something. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's wrong. You know what's wrong inside of you. You have to wait for your life to turn upside down. And we need to quit trying to live on the margin of things. With so little, why don't you go in God's throne room and ask him for what you really want? Ask him for more. Because at that time, Israel needed food. They needed clothing. They needed everything. And instead of asking the one true and living God, they decided to do what the neighbors did. They asked the wrong gods. 
You could go and ask your own God at any time. He said, return to me and I'll return to you. God is so loving. He he forgives what we've done wrong and cleanses us. You don't have to walk around guilty and ashamed. You can be cleansed. Amen. And quit putting on these false, these, you know, uh, what you call it, skins, <laughs> you know, the fig leaves, you know, all the false stuff we get involved in. You know, we don't have to do that. We can have what's real. So Isaiah said, you have nakedness for your shame because of disobedience. The other thing that shame produces is poverty. Proverbs 8, I'm sorry, 18. I should get my old, my old Bible with the tabs on it. I saw it the other day. I said, that's my first Bible. Had my tabs. Probably be easier. 18 verse 13. It says, he that answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Amen. Be so quick to, to want to say something. You know, it's listen and let the Holy Spirit tell you what the answer is. Amen. It's, it, it, you'll be ashamed if, if you do that. Amen. For judgment, we are clothed with shame as a judgment. Psalm 109.29. So shame becomes our clothing when God judges us. Can't hold your head up. Can't get things right. Poverty, shame, all of that comes to us through disobedience. He says, let my adversaries be clothed with shame. Let them cover themselves with their own confusion as with a mantle. Amen. So that's a sign of judgment. When he says, judge my adversaries, let them be clothed with shame. Don't let me be clothed with it. Come do me, vindicate me. You are not my shame. You are my vindication. Trust in earthly treasure and not God brings about shame. It says those who mock righteousness will be ashamed. All your little friends that make fun of you because you go to church, oh, I wouldn't be giving my money to them people and all that kind of stuff. They, they let shame be their clothing. Amen. In fact, many times people mock Christians because they are ashamed. You just, your presence brings shame on them because they feel the judgment of God around us. They're not just picking at you to be picking at you. Amen. People don't sell their souls just to be mean to people. There's a a righteous reason oftentimes while we become victim of other people's wrath or other people's anger or other people's meanness or their words. Amen. Oftentimes there is a God reason for that. And you're so used to being having God with you, you don't pay attention to what's really there. Amen. You know, it's all the devil. And don't get lifted up and think you so holy and you so this and that's why the devil don't like you. That's another lie. Amen. He don't like nobody. And if you get on his good list, you're really in trouble. Amen. So it's just good to stay where you are, stay who God wants you to be. But this shame thing, folks, we got to get rid of that because I'll tell you where why it's important. Shame will hinder your confidence in God. And a shame can stop your confession of God's word. That's what the enemy's after. He's after your confidence, your trust, and your speaking God's word. 
So if he can stop that process, and trust me, he's got everything invested in the fact that he can stop it, then he will. But God has a remedy for us, folks. So let's let's examine what this is about and get after it and get rid of it. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for bringing us understanding. Thank you for bringing us confidence in you, righteousness. That righteousness is our confidence. Everything stems from that fountain of blood that still flows on our behalf. We thank you for it. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. And we love you. We lift you up, God. You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised, worthy to be adored and glorified. Lord, we pray right now for uh, Joshua Porter. We thank you, Lord, for blessing him with good health, long life. We curse these symptoms in his body right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for rendering him disease-free, giving him health, wholeness, and soundness this very minute. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Why don't we do our our, uh, declaration? I don't have Rona, and I'm not ashamed, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me, and I don't have, and you name whatever it is you're fighting, standing against, thank you, Lord, and it don't have me, and I thank you, Father, that by your stripes, I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.